I'm Chris Kunkel, and this is the TREP Improvement Project Podcast, where we are building a better entrepreneur. Hello, TREP tribe, and welcome to another edition of the TREP Improvement Project radio show. And today, I have a very special guest with us, and she is known as the Drama-Free Queen. And we all have plenty of drama in our lives, so hopefully she can show us how to get a handle on that and maybe use it to good. So she's the author of Defeat the Drama, as well as From People Problems to Productivity. And she's been featured everywhere from NBC Nightly News to Entrepreneur Magazine. So she is all over the place. And she's working with businesses to improve their culture, increase her productivity, and she also has a really amazing backstory. I'm not going to share with you. I'll let her share that with us. But please, welcome to the show, Kirsten Ross. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Now, I, I gave everybody just a quick overview of a little bit of what you do, a tiny little bit of a, about your background, but can you just expand that a little bit more? Let us know more about what it is that you do. So I'm really passionate about working with entrepreneurs. So I love, um, you know, the crazier the better. No, I just I love working in those heart-centered, passionate organizations. Um, I love working in family businesses and, and nonprofits. So very mission-centered organizations is my favorite place to play. And I really help with the whole people side of that business. So often what I find is entrepreneurs have this huge heart for the work that they're doing. And, you know, it's as business grows, they get a team so they can increase their circle of influence. And what happens is they're super passionate about what they do, but they're not great at leading their team. So they find that their team isn't aligned and there's so much frustration and overwhelm involved in trying to get that team centered around the mission and vision and get them as excited and fired up as that entrepreneur is. So I help them get their teams aligned and focused. and. So my whole thing is defeat the drama, and the reason is is that to me, drama is anything that steals focus from where it should be. So if they're not focused on your your business mission, your customers, your clients, your consumers, whatever you call them, and they're instead focused on who did what, who said what about who, and I'm doing too much, and you're not doing enough, and I have chaos at home, and all that other stuff that enters into the workplace, they're not focusing where they need to be. So I basically help remove all that so they can get focused on where you want them to focus. And that's a great thing because as an entrepreneur, whenever it's it's your business, it's your baby, you know, you want to make sure everything is perfect, your heart is there, and, and it gets a little bit more difficult as you start bringing people on. And, and maybe to them it's a paycheck, and it's not so much, um, you know, their legacy. So so you're able to go in and kind of reframe that, it sounds like, and, and get all the employees on board so they share that same vision. That's right. That's right. So and you you stated it exactly. I mean, as entrepreneurs, our businesses are our babies. We are so passionate about it. And our teams are not always that way. And, and it breaks my heart when I meet a business owner who says, I'm just ready to throw in the towel or I can't take it another day. And generally within a few months, I'm able to transform that team. And, you know, sometimes people exit out and sometimes you end up with the same team and there are, you know, tough 
conversations to have and decisions to be made. So there's definitely a process to it and it's not easy, but in the end, the business and your passion must win. Absolutely. So can you just tell me just on average about how, how big are these businesses that you're working with? Are you working with just the small family-owned, maybe two or three employees, or are you working with a with little bit larger companies? So I definitely work with small, like just a few people, and that's really a nice place to start, you know, instead of you instead of, you know, getting very large and having tons and tons of drama and chaos. So I definitely am working with some entrepreneurs who just have, you know, they're just starting to build their team. But I also work with larger, you know, generally, though, I'm working with more like, say, 50 to 100, I would say a max is around 250 for working with the whole organization. So I have definitely worked with very large organizations, um, you know, multi-location, some global organizations, but generally I'm working with a department or a sub-segment, you know, of that organization. Do you find that with a, a smaller group, the smaller the group, do you find that it's easier to have more of an impact on that? Yeah, I mean, when it gets too big, uh, you know, and they haven't focused on culture, it's a huge, huge, um, you know, they've got a huge challenge. It's doable. But yeah, I mean, in the, if you, if you hit the ground running, really focusing on creating the right culture all along so that culture is aligned with what you're up to in your business, uh, you're, you're a lot better off. So those entrepreneurs who call me earlier rather than later are better off. So that's your ideal client. Get get them early, get that culture set, and make life easier from the get-go. Yeah, you know, a lot of new entrepreneurs aren't ready to invest in that. They should be. So, I mean, a lot of times I am working with them when they're more up to the 10, 15, 20, 50, you know, employees. But, yeah, but my I would say my ideal is probably, you know, 10 to 50 employees, somewhere around there. Okay. Now, how exactly did you get into doing what you're doing? What's what's your background? So my background is I'm a human resource person by profession. I have my master's degree. I have over 20 years of experience in human resources. I went to Michigan State. So, um, you know, if you're in the Michigan and Ohio area, you might be thinking, oh, Michigan State versus U of M or anything. <laughs> um, so I went to Michigan State both for undergrad and grad school. And I've been a senior certified human resource professional since 1995, which means I have to do 60 continuing ed credits every three years to maintain that. Um, so that's kind of my background. And then I worked in the field of human resources for um, large organizations for the start of my career. And then since 2000, I've been out and on my own. So what happened in 2000 or maybe in those years, um, even leading up to the year 2000, what happened there that made you decide, I need to make this leap and do this on my own? Well, so actually, so um, in 2000, I left working for other organizations. And at that time, I had a website to help women find professional flexible work. It was called Women's Work. I don't really do anything with it anymore. But it was um, it was a really cool website to provide all the tools and resources that women needed to, you know, who were professional but wanted to find some great work-life balance. So that's really what I was doing. But during that time, uh, I was in a marriage that was becoming more and more abusive. So I really launched the business that I'm in now, Focus Forward Coaching. Um, ironically, you know, here I'm all about defeat the drama. I launched this business to exit my abusive marriage. 
because I really, um, you know, the work that I was doing initially after I quit my my outside the the home job um, wasn't enough to support myself and two boys. So, you know, the the marriage and it was very difficult for me to really keep a business going in that marriage as well because, you know, very chaotic. Never knew when I could, you know, be on the phone with someone or. Uh, so it was it was very difficult. So I really started a process of self evaluation as I knew that it was time I needed to I needed to get out. I needed to either go back into the field of human resources or start a business that would, um, you know, work for myself and my two boys. So I um, I ended up you know talking to some trusted advisors in my life and saying, what do you see in me that I might not see in myself and and out of that came coaching. So I had three people in the course of a couple of weeks say that you should be a coach. And this is, you know, 10, 11 years ago. So coaching's still not like top of mind for everyone, but it's a lot more popular now than it was back then. So I was a, you know, stay at home mom for the most part at that time and really didn't know about coaching. So I immediately went to the internet and thought I better check this out. And as soon as I started reading the description, I realized that I had been accidentally coaching people my whole entire life. So it was, um, you know, while I was in a very difficult situation and it's not the most optimal time to start a business, um, it really, that time in my life really became a catalyst to me, you know, busting through a lot of fear and just getting started. So I was actually able to, um, so I I did that research. I ended up um, reading a book on coaching and that just more really um, gave me more, proof that, yep, this is what I was born to do. And it really aligned with my education as well and my background. And uh, so I was able to launch my business in the fall of that year and then uh, file for divorce the following February. So, um, and, you know, this was 10 years ago. And so life's great now. But um, it's a story that I share at times with people because often they'll say like, oh, man, my passion is so here, you know, but I got to keep this safe job here because. And so I'll sometimes share that story because, you know, I've been a person who's lived through starting a business at a less than optimal time. So, and that was, you know, no safety net, no alimony, no nothing. I had to burn the boat and just go for it and support myself and two boys. So, and it's worked out great and I love, love, love what I do. You you say it was a less than optimal time, but I think that's about the most PC way of putting it and and <laughs> what what you've shown us all I mean it's it's difficult enough when everything is optimal to make that leap and and build up that confidence enough to be able to go and start that business and make it successful and here you did it um you know during a rocky time in in your marriage in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and then also yeah, going I mean, through it, a divorce I look I mean, back wow. and I yeah I wonder yeah, yeah, and paying for an attorney and <laughs> and all that. Um, yeah, it it was. Uh, you know, I look back and go, "Wow, did I really do that?" But you know what? I kept my eye on the prize, and I do share my strategies around tenacity. And it did take tenacity. I mean, I'm, you know, and I'm not saying this to say like I'm awesome or anything. I am saying it though to say that you never know what's possible and. Um, you know, I had always had an entrepreneurial spirit, so it really was my desire to start a business rather than go and work for someone else. Um, 
I didn't have family support, so I wasn't going to have help with babysitting or any of that. And I knew that my my two boys and myself both needed a lot of healing. And so the reality was I really needed to make this business work so that I could create a life and work that would work for my current circumstance. So I was able to still drop my boys off at school and pick them up and not use tons of latch key and, you know, and do a lot of coaching calls for my house. And I wasn't all over the place on the road. I'm a lot more on the road now because, you know, we're all doing great. They're older, but, you know, they were very young at the time. So I, I really, um, I just kept my eyes on the prize and it definitely was a time when I was very beaten down. I mean, I had been told for years that I was a failure at everything. I was a sham. I was, uh, believe it or not, drama queen, made a big deal out of nothing. I mean, a lot of those voices and tapes, you know, would play through my head like I'm a failure, I'm a sham. And I had to push through those and um, just keep my focus on what was most important, which was creating a great life for myself and my boys. And the business was part of that. And also I was following my passion. I mean, I had had a deep yearning the entire time I was a stay-at-home mom, honestly, where there was just this knowing that there was something I was supposed to be doing and I wasn't doing it. And so ironically, it was this, you know, needing to get out of that marriage that was, like I said, the catalyst to move me to what I'm now doing. And I do believe wholeheartedly that I'm doing the work that I was born to do. Now, how can you walk us through what went through your mind? Because if you had had years of being told that you weren't going to be able to do something, that you weren't good enough, you weren't smart enough. Uh, you know, it's tough enough for those of us who, who have a support network and have people saying that we can do these things. It's hard enough to break through our own limitations. What went through your mind? What are the things that helped you get past that and tell yourself that, hey, I am good enough and I can do this? So I, you know, I grew up a very confident, independent woman. So there was that little piece of me, you know, I'm really visual. So I always uh, visualized that there was this tiny little piece over my heart that still knew who I was and that knew that I was still this confident woman who was capable of a lot. And um, I felt like I had to claw my way out through this. I know this is probably weird, but I had to claw my way out of there. So it was constantly reminding myself of what was true. I am also also faith-based, so I I do believe that God helped me as well. But, um, you know, there were also, I had this big turnaround in that marriage because, you know, I don't want to get too much into the whole um, abusive marriage thing, but, you know, when you're in that cycle of abuse, uh, you keep, and I'm a communicative person, you know, and you keep trying to negotiate and communicate and work your way through and, oh, we can create this great partnership. And, and so you're so focused on that, that it's that slippery slope where, or the frog in the boiling water, you know, where you, you modify and modify and modify yourself without realizing how much you're accommodating the bad behavior. And then one day you just stop and you say, oh, my gosh, who am I? And um, so there were there were things that happened where I had these aha moments where I was like, wait a minute, no matter what he says, there's not truth to it. And there was like, thank God, the concrete. So, for instance, you know, so he's saying all these other things about me, how horrendous I am. But one day I had my hands in the sink doing the dishes and he was screaming at me, telling me that I never did the dishes. And then it hit me. Oh, my gosh. 
No matter how much I do the dishes, his belief is going to be that I never do the dishes. And no matter what kind of person I am, he's always going to think I'm awful. And so um, I had to minimize his view of me and kind of maximize my own view of me. And it really was a, you know, I either, like I said, picture coming out of the little hole in my chest of like, no, like the real me coming back out of this protective barrier or kind of climbing up this big hill, like with each success, with each time I helped a client, with each time that I had insights and was able to, you know, wow someone, I that just became the, like the next foundation I could stand on to move to the next level. And again, all with focus on creating this life for myself and my boys. That was my number one thing. I mean, and I'm very focused on how you use energy. Um, so things out of your control, which when you go through a divorce like that, a lot is out of your control. You know, when my kids would go to their dads on the weekend, like crazy stuff would happen. And I would have to really focus on what's in my control and what's not. So I had to conserve my energy and harness it for what was in my control. And what was in my control was creating a house filled with love, joy, and laughter here and creating the business to sustain us. And, and you hear a lot that you really need to start with your why and, and know why you're doing things. And what a strong, what an incredible why that you had to help push you through this. That's pretty amazing. So yep. thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, what are some things, because you're, you're working with entrepreneurs, you're working with small business owners and, and even uh, medium-sized businesses, what are some things that the TREP tribe, these entrepreneurs that we're talking to, that, that they can learn from you to help, you know, get their minds right, help defeat some of the drama that's in their own lives and, and help to, to launch their businesses to success? Can you share with us any, any tips or strategies that you're working with with your clients? Sure. I mean, one thing that I, I uh, share a lot of times is, so I talked about energy. So our thoughts and our reactions to things can either give us energy or take our energy. And so one thing I really like to focus on is um, setting realistic expectations. So um, we basically spend our entire lives in the gap between our expectations and our experiences. So there's what we want things to be, and then there's what they really are. So in our business, and when I say realistic expectations, a lot of times people think like set low goals. No, 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 no. That's not at all what I mean. I mean, I'm constantly shooting for the stars and setting huge goals. So it's not about that. But I don't allow myself to get tripped up if, as I'm working to towards those large goals, stuff happens. I mean, stuff will always happen. And you don't want that stuff to knock you off your game. So... um so how do you react in the gap and focus on that? So, I mean, a silly example I use is if anyone sees a picture of me, I have curly hair. This is not business related, but, but it's an <laughs> example that I use because it's just illustrative. I have very curly hair, so I can't hold tight to expecting my hair to look a certain way on any given day. And it doesn't matter if I'm speaking in front of 500 people that day, my hair is going to do what my hair is going to do. And so if, if I were a person who held tight to my hair looking a specific way every day, most days I would be in the gap because my, my experience of my hair would not match my expectation. And I would be frustrated, maybe embarrassed, you know. Um, so we, in every aspect of our life, pay attention to where your expectations and experiences are not meeting and what you're doing in that gap. So if you're a leader, if you're an entrepreneur and you have employees and you expect 
expect them to act a certain way, but your experience of them is very different, I often find that leaders might become a victim in that gap and decide, like, I'm just sick of trying to get them to do what I need them to do, and so I'm going to hide in my office and not deal with it anymore. That's not your best reaction in the gap. I actually have a little sign that I have my clients put up, and it just says expectations on one side and experiences on on the other. I have a red arrow that goes in between, and I have them think about how they're reacting in that gap. Because whether it's business or our life, we're in the gap always. If you stop and think about how often do things turn out exactly as you expect them to, rarely. Absolutely. And I think you had on um, one of your episodes of your podcast, you talked about kind of that victim mindset mm-hmm. and uh, and not getting trapped in there. And I think that's an important point to make. And you mentioned this even as you were sharing your story with your marriage and, and getting out of that where you control what you can control because there are certain things like your hair or uh, political <laughs> things or the way uh, just the way somebody is that right. you can't necessarily control. And so what you're saying is go and control, focus on what you can control, control that, um, control right. your expectations of a person, or maybe you control who your employees are because you need to find the right fit. So excellent advice. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yep. That one's a, that one helps a lot of people. <laughs> And and I think that's one of the biggest things with being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, is really managing what those expectations are of yourself, what your expectations are of other people, and and placing that focus in the right spot. Namely, you know, focus on what you can do, and not focus on what everybody else is doing or what you like them to do. So fantastic. And And don't let it zap your energy if things aren't, you know. So that's the thing. If you end up frustrated, resentful, all those things, then you don't have energy. So stop, figure out what's in your control, speak up, you you know, use your words, (laughs) communicate your expectations, hold people accountable and get them doing what you need them to do. Yes, very good. And and it's so hard because it is an emotional roller coaster being a business owner. Um, So it is hard. Sometimes we get swept away with those emotions and we have to just Peel it back, cart, cart uh, you know, put it in a little compartment and, and, uh, and just keep moving on. Yep. So I'd like to move on a little bit now to, um, to some inspiration and, and some sources of knowledge that you can share with us because we all get inspiration from different places. Um, we all get our, you know, learn from in different ways. Now, are there some, some, a book or is there a resource or something that you can share with us that might uh, help us to further our education? A book I've been recommending a lot, actually just for the past few years even, is called The Speed of Trust, and it's by Stephen R. Covey. So not Stephen Covey um, of Seven Habits, but it's his son who's now grown, and it's just a great book that talks about, so Speed of Trust is that if you have trust in your relationships, how much more efficient and effective your relationships can be. So um, it's just a great book that illustrates how to build trust, and then, you know, in business, how if you have great trust in all layers of your business and with vendors and customers, um, how much better everything can work. So I really love that book. That is a wonderful recommendation. So Trep Tribe, make sure you go out and get that book. I've read that book as well. And and I think it's great. And it was it was not necessarily what I expected it would be going into mm-hmm. it. But he, he goes so broad with it and talks about... Um, you know, how you you can control a lot, you know, in extending trust and, and how you trust other people. And that's going to help influence how they trust you. But even yeah. how 
the industry that you're in or the country you live in has implications for that trust and some things that you can do to better that and, and really lower your costs and, and do business more efficiently. Yep. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great resource. Um, okay. So it's, it's action time. So now is where you get to inspire us, where you get to get us to take some action. And so I'm going to ask you just a few questions here to help propel this. Okay. So what are some, what's one of your personal habits that you have that helps contribute to your success? So uh, I kind of already talked about realistic expectations, but then that focus on energy. So figure out, you know, if you are an entrepreneur and you can design your schedule, um, figure out when you're at your highest energy and do your creative work then. So I I do a, a 24-7 blend of my life and my work, and I don't beat myself up about it, and I'm not guilty about it, because sometimes what I see is someone says, well, it's you know, it's 6 o'clock and I'm working, or they'll say it's 10 o'clock in the morning, so I can't run to the grocery store right now because I should be working, and don't should on yourself. So um, just embrace who you are, embrace when you have the highest energy, and, you know, if you have the freedom and you're wired to do a 24-7 blend um, of still good work-life balance, then figure out when you have the most energy, what's the most effective use for your time in that moment, and do it 24-7. So, and don't worry about going to the grocery store in the middle of the day or working at 10 o'clock at night if, it's, if you're ready for it and it's a time that will work with you and your family. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point because uh, a lot of us have come from you know, traditional jobs or the corporate world or something. And so we're used to Monday yeah. through Friday, you know, seven to, you know, five o'clock or whatever it happens to be. And, and yeah, we feel guilty. And sometimes we need to take that break or, or like you said, that energy is at, at a peak at a different time of day. I know, um, yeah. you know, after we drop the kids at school, my wife and I will go grocery shopping in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. And it's awesome. Um, it's great. <laughs> Nobody's there. Exactly. <laughs> it's so easy. And your Keep time overall going. is so much more effective. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So give yourself permission, everybody, to relax a little bit and make it work for you. That's why you have your own business. Yeah. So I love it. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now what are some things, Kirsten, that you do to stay fresh? Because you have, you have two boys and you're traveling and you're running a business and you're speaking and you're writing and you're doing all these things. How do you unwind? Um, I need my water time. So you and I were talking before we started recording today. I'm in Michigan. We have water everywhere. I have a pool too, but um, I need to get around water. That's my recharge thing. So and as many trips as possible are to the ocean. So that really recharges and rejuvenates me just overall. I get um, some creative time and some recharge time, and so that's that's what I do. So are, do you do you like fishing, or are you a water skier, or what do you like to do out there? You know what? I just like to be by the water. I, my kids are, they do all of the above. I'm, I'm, I'm now remarried, by the way, and so my husband is also... Um, you know, they do the wakeboarding and the skiing and the kneeboarding and, and, and fishing and all that kind of stuff. And um, I'll drop a line in the water every once in a while. <laughs> but um, but I'm really, I'm just, I love to look at the water. I mean, my favorite place is, you know, by the ocean and watching the dolphins. And um, so it really is, you know, my feet in the sand and my eyes on the water. Excellent. And some good quality family time in there, too. Yeah. That's always good. Yeah. Okay, so what is the best piece of business advice that you've ever received, or what's one piece of advice that you want to offer to us, or give us both? 
Okay. Um, I say follow your passion. Too much. We try to live our lives too small. We have too many have-tos. We have too many I-can'ts. And I love to have people start with a clean slate and just say, what are your strengths? What were you put on this earth to do? Um, and where's the difference that you are kind of called to make in this world? And um, follow that passion. And, it, you know, I'm not necessarily saying sell all your stuff and move to India and help orphans. Um, but and, and I'm not even saying change vocation. I mean, maybe your vocation, the way you're making your living allows you like provide you with the opportunity to do the stuff that you're really really passionate about so but I will say if you're starting a business you must be passionate about what you're doing because there are too many hiccups too many challenges too many times when you have to have tenacity and passion gives you tenacity it's the litmus test that tells you that you're heading in the right direction for kind of what you were made to be and do but it also gives you tenacity to get through those bumps in the road that are inevitable I don't know one single entrepreneur that has had a 100% smooth ride and so while you're dealing with the bumps and when you first get started and you're wearing all the hats you better love the core of what you're doing beautifully said absolutely you have you have to be a little bit crazy about what you're doing to put up <laughs> yeah. with, with everything that comes along with it so yeah beautifully said okay Final question. This is really where you get to put it to us. Yeah. What is one thing that our audience can do in the next 48 hours to improve their business? What can we do next two days? Okay. You know the Nike swoosh? Just do it. My grandmother, who lived a very active life well into her 90s, that was her motto. We, she, and For her 90th birthday, we gave her the hat with the Nike swoosh. You as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, or if you're sitting on the fence thinking about starting your business, in the next 48 hours, just do it. What is that project, that thing, that task, that next step that you've been putting off out of fear or uncertainty? Just do it. I will tell you that when I wrote my first book, I had no idea about how to get published, how the editing would work, nothing. Did I have some bumps in the road as a result? Yes, I did. But how did I get started in writing that book? The the first day that my boys started their summer break that year, I made a commitment to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning every day and write. And so I wrote for three hours every day all summer. And so every day my alarm went off and I said to myself, I don't want to get up. And then I told myself, but you made the commitment, so you're getting up anyway. And I wasn't stopped by not knowing the next steps. All I did was start. And if you just start before you know it, you're farther along than you ever imagined you might be. Very nice. Perfect. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Well, Kirsten, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on here. Thank you for sharing your story and giving us some tips and a little bit of a, a kick in the butt to get some things going. Now, can you tell our <laughs> audience how, how, we, how can we find you? How can we get a hold of you? You know, the best place, I have two different websites, but I'll say I'll, I'm going to send everyone to my defeatthedrama.com website. That's kind of my that's my mission. <laughs> That's what I want to, that is my difference I want to make in this world. I want everyone to be calmer, more joyful. So um, defeatthedrama.com. From there, you can find my podcast, which is Defeat the Drama. You can find my book, Defeat the Drama. Is there a theme here? Uh, <laughs> I have a contact form. Um, I have links to all of my, I'm on um, Facebook. My Twitter is Defeat the Drama. Um, Facebook's actually Drama Free Work. But you can find me, um, really, DefeatTheDrama.com has everything there. I also have some free webinars. Check those out. Uh, they give step-by-step -step instructions to how to align your team 
So that's where you can find me. Wonderful. DefeatTheDrama.com. Kirsten Ross, and again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was great.